0: Get your Bibles out, which I hope you brought your Bibles, because if you didn't bring your Bibles, you're going to be missing out. Amen. In fact, you got your Bible. Let me see it. Pastor, I brought my word. I got my word. Some of y'all want to hold up your cell phones. You can hold up your cell phones. Just pray you charged it. Amen. And if you got your phones, turn off your notifications, turn off your your badges, whatever you get. Ding, ding, ding. I don't want to be interrupted this morning. I don't I want to hear your phone go off? Amen. There's no game up today that you need to get home for. So you might as well just buckle in and sit back and relax. We're gonna do this thing, Pastor. How long are you gonna go until Jesus is done? Amen. amen. See that? Yeah, when you say things like that, everybody doesn't want to amen you anymore. They're like, uh, uh-uh. uh. you better be done by eleven thirty. We ain't got time for this today. Well, I'm glad you got time for the words. Let's get in the Word this morning. Listen, in a season where I believe we are defining and even correcting the path that we walk as believers. There is a term that is used in Scripture over and over to help us in setting this course. A term that defines how we move and what we do as believers. A term that gives you and I a greater perspective as we walk out our lives with God and on a daily basis. I'm not referring to the word Christian or Christianity or religious or spiritual, follower or even believer. This term over the next few weeks I want to talk to you about is this word called the kingdom. You know, I said this the other day. I said, man, you know, there's a lot of political factions in the earth today. What would we do if somebody came up with a political space called the kingdom? And everything they decided within that political space was bound by the word rather than opinion of man. Was bound by the wants of God rather than the wants of man. Listen, you cry out loud enough for Barabbas, you'll get Barabbas. You cry out loud enough for something else, you'll get something else. But what what happened to the people that said, if I'm a believer in Christ, if I choose to walk with God, then what I'm going to do with what's on the inside of me is pursue the things of God. Pursue who He is. Pursue where I'm going. Declare it, decree it, and walk in it. What happened to the believer that said, hey, you know what, no matter what goes on in the earth, I'm jumping in now. Because truthfully, Today, what we do is we scour the word looking for what appeases us rather than what pleases him. Over the next few weeks, I want to talk to you about the kingdom. This word is interlaced throughout scripture, not to define a place, but to bring instruction about the way. God's way to live in our life so that we see the fullness he intended for it. It is time now more than ever that you and I put down the kingdoms that we are trying to build and begin to live our lives with his kingdom And his mindset. But before we can get into the kingdom principles that are in scriptures for you and I, I need to make sure that the ground is ready to receive so that you and I can spend our entire lives not only hearing the word of God, but declaring and decreeing it and becoming greater than we are right now. Look what, real quick, before we get into our text for this morning, look at what the book of James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25 says. It says this, and we've claimed the beginning of it, but we missed the tail end of it. It says this, it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Now, if I just stop right there, I can speak volumes to the condition of the churches because we are really good at hearing on Sundays, but we are really bad at doing on Mondays through Saturdays. But he says this, he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving Who? You, you're not deceiving him, you're deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. That scripture right there declares to you and I that the word has to have more than just an appeasing moment on Sundays, that the word is brought so that you and I might grow and become greater doers, not just attending church service, but when the word is pulled out, that this is your moment to become better than what you are right now. I love it when seasoned church folk go, well, I've heard that scripture before. No, you haven't. Well, I've heard that message before. No, you haven't, because you wouldn't sit before Jesus and tell him you've heard that word before. And when the word comes out, you have to understand this is not Brian talking. This is the word of the Lord. If it comes out of this book, if it comes out of Genesis to Revelations, it is the word of God. And your mind, your heart, and your spirit should be ready to receive it no matter if you've heard it a thousand and one times. In order to be doers, we must believe what the word says and in order for us to believe it has to be able to take root in our lives every time you come into this place your ground should be ready can i say that again every time you come into this place and i say let's get in the word you should be like yes if i say lift up your word you're like got it if i say take notes i'm ready not oh god do you have your bible i didn't bring mine let me ask you this morning how many of y'all drank coffee this morning How many of y'all drank coffee before you left the house this morning? Because it's a part of your existence, correct? If I take away your coffee pot, you're going to have a meltdown. Some of y'all are in this room right now. I know who you are because I've seen you before a cup of coffee. Amen. But we have made the coffee cup and its contents of a greater priority than the Word. We have made the appeasement of what we want greater than his word. When you come into the house of God, you should have an expectation that because I'm getting up this morning and there is breath in my body, there is a word that God wants to speak to me. And I know where I'm going and I'm I'm a part of this family of God. And I believe that my pastor has sought the Lord this week. And I've been praying for him. I pray that you do. Uh, I've been praying for him to receive a word from God this week so that I might be ministered to. So that I might grow and become more of what God wants me to become. Listen, if you walk in here full grown, you're going to die in this thing. Can I, can I just put this to rest real quick? And I'm going to say this with love, but I'm going to say it with a little tightness too. There is nobody in this room that is so righteous, you're not in danger of going to hell. Can I say that one more time? There is no person in this room, I don't care how, how long you've been saved or how many people you've led to the Lord or how many years you've been serving. I've been serving my whole life. I've, been, I've watched people that have served their whole lives in ministry and still walk away from God. Don't think because you've done a couple cute things in this lifetime that God has done with you and you have no more room to grow. You should always come to the house of God ready to grow. And if you are not, then your pride is leading you. And pride comes when? Before the fall. You should be expectant of what God wants to speak to you. When I go into prayer and I go seek God about what I'm to speak, I'm not going and going, oh, God, give me a word. I don't know what to say. God, I have an expectation you're going to speak to me first. Speak to me first so I have something to pour out. Fill this vessel so I have something to empty. God, don't just don't just speak to the thing and let me come up with some cute terms and make everybody feel good and send everybody home. God, let every word that comes out of mouth bring challenge, let it bring correction, let it bring edification, let it strengthen so that we can go do greater and better than we've ever done before. So when you come into this place, what did you come to do? That's like going to the gym and wearing your behind out with no intentions of ever growing muscles. Are you crazy? If you told me I had to go to the gym every day, but nothing was going to change, you can keep the gym, Jack. I am not killing myself. So you got up this morning. Your kids didn't act right. Y'all know how this works. I called my wife this morning. Baby, I need you to bring me a couple of things this morning. Amen. And I could hear. I'm like, what's wrong? She goes, they're just being crazy this morning. Look, there's a reason why you go through all this stuff. But you still come with the expectation. that. Listen, I think this is, this is the way I look at it. I believe that the struggle only comes because God's got something so big for you. He doesn't want you to come. The enemy doesn't want you to come. So when things aren't working the way you want them to work on a Sunday morning, you better start rejoicing because God's got something big for you. But if it takes you all of worship to get you out of your funk so you can get into the presence of God, you've missed it. It took you worship to find your expectation rather than walking in with expectation. And so I I need you to come into the house of God or even in your word time, into your private word time with a spirit of expectation. God, I know you're gonna speak something to me. I'm ready to receive it. Let me say this to you. This is a statement that God laid on my heart last night. There is nothing in his word that is not for you or about you. There is not one word in this book. Listen to me. There is not one word in this book from Genesis to revelations that is not for you or about you. Pastor, you even mean that part in Genesis where it says, so and so begat so and so, begat so and so, begat so and so. And I just want to skip that part because it's driving me nuts because I don't really care about all those begats. And I don't care, listen, if you don't care about the begats, then you don't care about where you came from. See, see, here's where it messes with you. See, watch. We go, I don't want to read that because your flesh gets tired, but your spirit man has to overtake it. So when you're reading those, what you do is you look beyond the bagats and you start looking who created who. And then you look at the blessings that were on every one of them. And you understand if you're in the lineage of all those people, then all those blessings that are on them are now on you. See, you start seeing things differently than you used to see them. You start receiving things differently than you used to receive them. And you start understanding that every word in this book is for you. There is nothing in his word that is not for you or about you. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says this. All Scripture is inspired by God, not by your pastor. That'd be cool if it was, but it's not the way it works. All Scripture, somebody say all, all. Is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. How many y'all have a hard time doing what's right? It's a word problem. How many of y'all have a hard time being corrected? It's a word problem. Some of y'all don't want to raise your hand and y'all are lying in church right now. It's okay. Pride, word, pride is a word problem. Amen. Whatever it is, it's a word problem. I learned this years ago that every problem I have in my life is not because I'm good at having problems. It's because I don't have enough word to overcome that problem. So I need to get more word so that I can overcome the problem. How many times do you say things to your problem that doesn't change your problem? But when you speak the word to your problem, the same word that spoke the heavens into existence, the earth into existence, the people into existence, that same breathing power, that same power and anointing is on the inside of you. And when you have a word from the Lord on the inside of you and you speak it to a situation, it changes things. All scripture is inspired by God. He said, all scripture. Somebody say this with me. Say, all scripture. Is for me. It's for me. Look at your neighbor. Say, it's mine, it's mine. Not, yours. not yours. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Y'all are get in a fight on Sunday morning. Say it again. Say, all scripture It's for, for me. I'm ready, I'm ready to, receive. to receive. Say it again. Say, I'm ready, I'm ready to receive. Now, if you're still looking at me, not talking, you're not ready. Say it again. Say, I'm ready, I'm ready to receive. One more time. I'm ready, I'm ready to receive. See, some of y'all started getting loud all of a sudden. You're like, if he asked me to say it one more time, I'm going to scream it at him. But you really weren't screaming at me. You were screaming at your flesh. (laughs) You were telling your flesh to line up with your spirit because you really want to receive this morning. Good. Now that we're all ready, get in the book of Matthew chapter 13. This is where we're going to be this morning. The book of Matthew chapter 13. If you don't have your Bible, look at your neighbor and say, I need to see yours. Amen. (laughs) If you didn't sit by somebody who brought their Bible, move. Amen. No, I'm just kidding. The whole room just starts to move. No, don't do that. Okay. They don't love me anymore. The book of Matthew chapter 13. If you got to say, I got it. Go ahead. The book of Matthew chapter 13 and verse 3, it says this. Listen. A farmer went out to plant some seeds. Oh, Lord. And as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil and underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. If you underline things in your Bible, instead of underlining all those other things, underline verse 9. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now, we're going to check this real quick. If you have two hands, reach up. See if you have ears. If you feel appendages attached to the side of your head, some are big, some are little. Amen. Some have big ear lobes. Amen. Whatever you got, you got ears. Somebody say, I got ears. So I got to hear, but be careful because he didn't call you just to hear. He said, hear and understand. Understanding is when it goes from your ears to your heart, not from your ears to your head. Stop letting it go from your ears to your head, go from your ears to your heart. The root needs to go from your ears to your heart, your soul, your spirit, man, not to your mind, because in your mind is where you'll break it apart and cipher through it and sift through it and go, I don't want that piece. I just want this piece. God says, let it take root on the inside of you. Every word that comes out of the Bible is built to strengthen your root system. It is a watering of the seed that is planted. Let it grow. Okay, you ready? So in the beginning of this, it says that a farmer went out. Now, according to our lives and how we operate, Jesus is the farmer. And he's looking for a place to plant seed. And I will tell you this, that he is not looking for the local church to plant seed. He is looking for people. To plant his seed. Are you that person that is ready to receive that seed? Or are you telling God, I'm just not there yet? Because here's what happens. If you come into the house of God or you go into your Bible and you keep coming up with these spaces of saying that you're not there, then every time you, you ever read your Bible and you didn't get anything out of it. It's because your soil had some issues and it wasn't ready to receive what was coming. The Bible is full of seed. When you read your word, it is full of seed. I mean, it is chock full of seed. The problem is, is is that if we are not prepared to receive it, then the, the seed will come and it will go and we'll wonder why we're not producing fruit or we're not seeing production in our own lives. We're not seeing the fruit of the word in our lives because we weren't prepared for it. Jesus is looking for someone he can place his seed in and see it grow so that the world can see that he's alive and well. Do you want to be a living plant or a dead plant? You know what happens to dead plants, right? They go bye bye. Dead plants die. They're dead. You can't put life back into a dead plant. It's dead. I'm not talking one that's got a wilting leaf. I'm talking about a dead plant, Jack. I'm talking about those things that are just dead. How many of y'all ever tried to revive a dead plant? Did it work? Did you try really hard? I'll never forget. We got a plant given to me when I had surgery. My wife, man, she, she's the plant lady. It trips me out. I, I don't like plants. I don't like grass. I don't, none of it. I don't, none. To put rocks in the front yard, leave it alone. I don't want to touch it. It's too much work. Okay. So, so she's got this plant, and, and man, she's feeding it certain things, and she's giving it special food. And oh, baby, it's got a sickness. The plant's got a sickness. Let it die. It's a plant. It's a plant. It's not a human being. It's a plant. It can die. No. It brings oxygen. It, it brings, st- it, I like it. How many things in our lives die that we keep trying to revive with things that will never work? Yeah. How many things is God trying to take out of our lives? Look, the truth of the matter is that there was too much time consuming on this stupid plant. Like, it's a plant. Let it die. No. I mean, the pot sat in our living room with soil in it after the plant died. Like we were hoping for a resurrection. We're just going to leave it there. Praise the Lord. We're going to see how long it stays. I don't know what was going on. But, but so many times in our lives, we, we spend all of this time trying to breathe life, but trying to breathe mortal life into something that God has tried to remove. And here's the truth of it. If you understood God, you'd understand that seasons come and go. We had a season for that pretty plant, and that season came and went. Oh, well, let's move on. Let me say this to you real quick. Your belief is determined... By what you're willing to receive. How many of y'all believe in God? How many of you receive everything God says? Because if you don't, then you are struggling in your belief. Your belief is determined by what you are willing to receive. Not from me, but from the word. Listen, I challenge everyone in this place. When I'm done preaching, go home and look up everything I'm giving you and then read it over again. Because it says, study to find thyself approved, not to fact check your pastor. Well, pastor, I went and read it. I didn't get the same thing out of it. Duh, that's why we've been able to do this thing for 2,000 years. (laughs) Because God gives revelation to each one of us as we read. That's called rama. I don't know if you understand that. That's a, that's a biblical term. It's divine revelation from God so that I might get something out of it to bring something to you. But you might go read it two days from now and go, that was good. But God, God spoke this to me. Why? Because he desires to grow your root system, not to make your root system look like my root system. He wants to strengthen me in things in my life. My things are not your things. My struggles are not your struggles. My, my stuff is not your stuff. You don't go home to a little girl named love every day. I love that girl. I'm just playing. She keeps me in check. Amen. She keeps me prayed up. Hallelujah. <laughs> Truth is, is it? You, 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 we all have our stuff, but God's trying to strengthen you. I'm not saying take my word. Take his word and let it take root on the inside of it. Your belief is determined by what you're willing to receive. When you open up your word to read, are you looking for a word that satisfies your flesh? Or are you looking for a word that will change you and eradicate your flesh? God, I know there's a scripture about my finances in here. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. I don't know. I can tell you how. Stop spending all your money at Walmart. For the Bible says to be a good steward of what he's given you. It says to bring your tithe to the storehouse, but we'll talk about that another day. Render God what's God's. Render to Caesar what's Caesar's. I know that's all crazy, but that's what he said in his word. Badger, my marriage, my, my marriage is so broken, and, and I just—I don't know what to do. I got to call everybody. You no, know, the Bible says that what God puts together, no man can tear apart. Then let me just say this to you as a sidebar: If another man got in the way, you might want to find out why. Swallow. I told somebody this morning this wasn't going to be an easy one. But the kingdom of God is not easy. The kingdom of God is straight and narrow. Wide is the pathway to hell. Narrow is the gate to heaven. Somebody wants to make it wide because you want it easy. Baby, this wasn't supposed to be easy. Those who endure till the end shall be saved, not those who call themselves saved shall be saved. (laughs) You can be living in sin, attend church on Sunday, still living in sin. I'm going to tell you this, and this is not popular theology, that heaven is not going to be your reward, for sin separates you from God. Do not get it twisted that this is an easy walk. This takes some work, baby. And when you get off path, get back on, Brian. Get back on, Brian. Some of y'all don't want to get jacked around. Some of y'all don't want to get slapped around. You better get ready. Jesus is a father. God is a father. How many of y'all got whippings when you were a kid? Yeah. My mama did the lifting swing. Any of y'all got that? Yeah. You know what that is? That's when you're not big you're tall. You're, you're, you're shorter than she is. She's kind of lifted by one arm so you can't go anywhere, no traction. <laughs> I don't know what y'all grew up in. I grew up in the days my mama took the spoon to the store. Anybody did that? Anybody? Any of you mamas took the spoon to the store? Come on work with me. That's abuse, Pastor. Look, I'm fine. I'm not hurt by it. It's funny to me now. And I don't do it to my kids. I threaten them with it. It's fun. Don't make me take the belt off. Don't make it come off. No, Dad, no. I've never taken the belt off and never popped my kids with it. But, but the truth be told is, I, that's the way I grew up. I, but, but God, some of us don't even want correction from God. We, we don't want, cor- no, I, I, God, I, I just want the blessings. I went to church, therefore I get the Blessings. Satan saw it sat in heaven was the chief of worship and yet because of pride and disobedience got booted if satan can get booted out of hell <laughs> what do you think your disobedience will do to you in heaven See, so many people want to say, but God, the grace, pastor, the grace and the mercy of the Lord, His his mercy is new every morning. His grace, I'm saved by grace. Yes, you are saved because he was gracious to your stupidity. Let me help you with something. He was gracious to your ignorance. But be careful that once you have understanding that you do not go back to your ignorance. For the Bible says if you have understanding and you go back to your ignorance, the cross is now in vain. But nobody wants to talk about that anymore because everybody wants to live under hyper grace now, which is not even biblical. It's not even in your word. You can't. The Bible says you cannot make it to heaven because of grace. You are saved because of grace. You do not make it to heaven by your works. Let me pause y'all real quick because I'm always about to go into a works thing. He's going to tell me I, I have to work to get to heaven. No, because that drives me nuts too. How you, how you know you're going to make it? I'm a good person. I do good things. We should all desire to do good things, but whose life, where are you serving? Who are you committed to? Who is the authority in your existence? What, what do you submit under? The truth be told is all of this is found in the word, but yet we ignore it. And if we're not ready to receive this thing, then none of us will carry the kingdom of God. We'll just carry our opinions and our feelings. So let me read this to you one more time. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds as he scattered them across the field. Some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. They died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. As I'm reading this scripture, I'm seeing that there are four types of people. And before you leave today, you're going to have to define yourself and decide where you exist. The great part about God's word is this. That in this moment, it has come to bring change so that you and I can step beyond church attendance and become carriers of the kingdom. Take what I've given you so far, and then let's go to the explanation of the parable in Matthew chapter 13, verse 19. This morning, we're going to break down these people, these four different types. Verse 19 says this, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. Now, as I'm reading this, I, I, I'm looking at, hear it, but don't understand it. But, but here's the truth of it. Understanding has become the excuse of the believer. Because we go, I just don't get it. I don't understand. I don't know what he means. You know what he means, but you won't allow it to take root in you. See, this, is, this describes the footpath believer, the footpath people. This is not referring to a person who just doesn't know because of immaturity, but one who refuses to get to know or understand. These people are the ones who attend church only to fulfill the law. gets quiet, doesn't it? The ones who only attend because we live in southeast Louisiana and we're in that space where we go to church because that's what you're supposed to do on Sundays. And that's how you make it to heaven. Those are the ones that come to appease the masses. Well, I came because my, 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 my girlfriend asked me to come, or I came because my kids wanted me to come. Or I came, I came because they they, you know, I'm just here to visit. I'm not staying. I just kind of just came to sit in. Or I walked in because I want to check things out. I want to see what y'all are really all about. I want to see, I want to see what kind of this you have or what kind of that you have. And if I don't like your worship, I'm walking out the door. They walk in and walk out in order to check off the box of attendance. Well, I attended three times this week. God, that quiet that 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 puts me in the drawing for a blessing. Pastor, I I, I came in. Did you see me? Did you, I was there. I, I was there. There's a danger here, though, because watch this. In John one chapter one verse chapter one verses one through five, it says this. You don't have to turn there. It says, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was with light was, was, was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and darkness did not comprehend it. What, what, can I just read this to you real quick? Because I don't think you've ever seen this. This is when the word starts to get really crazy to me. Have you ever seen this? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Watch what the next word says. He. Read it in context. He. Which gives the word persona. It gives it identification as a relationship. It says, he was in the beginning with God. So God does not exist without the word. And it says, all things were made through the word, which is God. And without the word, nothing was made that was made. In the word was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Listen to me. If this doesn't speak volumes to you, you cannot have a life with God without a word from God. You can't. Stop trying to have a life with God out of your attendance on a Sunday morning. That is not a life with God. A life with God is when you pursue a word from God. What are you pursuing this morning? Well, I just want to come to church because we're supposed to do. No, you should be here to receive a word from the Lord so that you walk out and you can apply it and God can use you and change you and do his greatest work in you. You cannot have a life with God without a word from God. And in order for seed to be planted, the fallow, the hard ground, the footpath must be broken up. This allows you to go from hearing to Understanding. The seed has no power until you desire to understand what is being deposited. Until then, nothing will grow. Nothing. So that when you leave this place and you go, man, it was a good service. It felt good. I felt good. Did you get out in the crowd? You get out in your car and your phone rings and all hell breaks loose. And then the word Disappears. I can sit up here, jump shout, do a cartwheel, give you everything that's going to give you success because the Word gives you all that stuff. Make tell you tell you're victorious. Tell you you're going to triumph today. Tell it's going to be the greatest day ever. And then you walk out of this place, you go, "Oh God," some of y'all lost that last Sunday. We finished service, said we're going to live our lives as a sacrifice, and you went to church, went home, watched your football game, and your favorite team lost. And then you thought all hell broke loose. I got to say this real quick. My wife wasn't happy with it. My son was being a smart behind we were talking about it. It's just kind of a funny moment to me. Y'all going to be like, ooh, that's messed up. But I thought it was hilarious. My wife's going to give me really dirty eyes in a second. So I'm going to look over here. Not that way. That's not to ignore y'all. But I just, I see her in my view and I don't want to see it. Amen. Um, my wife was disappointed. Any of y'all were disappointed last Sunday? Can I just say this to you real quick? So we just get over it. There was no conspiracies. The, the, the referees didn't screw nothing up. There's no referee gate. We just got outplayed. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're not going to the Super Bowl. Amen. Okay. Oh, oh, you'll be okay. She's still on the throne. So we're sitting there. We're talking about playing video games later. And I told my wife, I said, I can hook up the games and you can play Sonic. Because she used to love playing Sonic when she was a kid. I was trying to give her something of enjoyment because she was walking around the house. And I thought somebody had died. Amen. And, um, and, and my son said, yeah, Dad, maybe she can play Madden so the Saints will win. I politely looked at my son and I said this to him. Run. Because she's coming, bro. Run. You're not going to survive much longer. Get out. He was like, oh, God. I said, bro, you're, you're in trouble now. Test my wife, goes, that's not funny. And I have to be honest, I was in his room dying laughing. Ah! I mean, I was, it was one of those ones where you just, ah! I couldn't breathe. My gut hurt. It was, okay, so that was just a sidebar for you this morning. I don't even know why I told you that story. It just was a good story. Kind of fit the moment, Amen. We have to let God break a fallow ground. So here, let me say this to you. If you're here this morning and you say, I'm just here in church, stop it. Don't do it anymore. You're missing it. Hand God your fallow ground and let him begin to break it up so that he can do his greatest work in you. If there's hardness in your life, that's not God's reason or plan for your life, let him have it. Let him break it up so you can move forward. Amen? Okay. So some of you might be on the footpath. God can still fix it. We go on in verse 20 through 21. He says, the seed on the shallow soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. Pastor, that's me. That's me. I'm that person. I hear the word and I immediately receive it with joy. But you didn't read verse 21. Come on, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Oh, come on. So we went from the footpath person to shallow soil people. The seed looks good on the outside, but has no depth. Yes. Okay, I'm going to say this with love. All love, put your fence in your back pocket. Just because you dress up nice doesn't mean you got it. Come on. You know, I grew up in the day in church where we wore suits to church. Anybody grew up in those days? Yeah. I mean, I grew up where you, you, you wore, well, bam. Like, you brought your best to church. I got it all. Like, look, look at this. problem was, for most people, it was a masquerade of what was really going on on the inside. Because people brought themselves presented to let man see them, but they would not present themselves to the Father. Yeah. Now, I don't have a problem with wearing suits, and I'm probably going to shock you one Sunday and walk in here in the going and be like, oh, It's a funeral service. I came on the wrong day. <laughs> I like my jeans. I like my button down. And that's kind of where we've been since Katrina. But doggone it, sometimes I like a nice suit and tie. Amen. But It's not, not when it's too tight and it makes you break out like, men. y'all know where I'm talking. you feel like getting choked to death. But here's the truth of it. We, 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 present our, we present the outside. God, I'm here, but the inside's not. The internals are not there. They dress up for church, but don't even know why they're even here. They don't bring their word because they think they can commit it to their minds instead of hide it in their hearts. I'm going to put it all right here. That, that's why I get phone calls the day after going, Pastor, can we, can we have a counseling session? And everything I have in the counseling session is everything I preached on the Sunday before. And I'm like, were you in church? Yeah. Did you hear anything? Yeah. Did you receive it? Huh? Because we weren't ready to. We, our ground was either harder or, or we were just shallow. We're good at the. Well, well here it comes. Oh, we, we, we come looking for anecdotes to our situations rather than receive the word that will bring eternity into, into view. We're good at bucking and shouting and screaming. Amen. While we hear the word, we can even stand up and clap for it. But that doesn't mean that you've received it. Well, so-and-so stood up and clapped. I want to do it too. I don't even know what he said. It's like I, I love it when you, when you go to do an altar call sometimes at the end of church and say, if this is you, everybody stand to your feet. And, and if this you, raise your hand. And, and people are like, oh, what, what, oh, okay. They don't even know why. And then by the time you explain the altar call, you watch their hand drop back down. Oh, he wasn't talking to me. Because we're just filling the spot. We're filling the void. We're, we're telling God, God, I went to church. God, look at me. I went to church. God, isn't it great I went to church? God says, no, it's not great that you went to church. It'd be great if you applied what I spoke to you this morning. Yeah. Yeah, It'd be great if you took it home and applied it to your marriage, to your children, to your family, to your household. If you carry it with you to work. A word from God without application is treated only as an opinion and not truth. A word from God without application is treated only as an opinion and not truth. And let me help you with this. If you think God has an opinion, then you probably shouldn't be serving him. Because you would not listen to other people's opinion about you. You want to say it's the truth, and you have to believe it and apply it. These kind of people, these shallow soil people tend to sift through the good parts and remove anything that brings change. But if you remove a part, then you have removed the whole. Because if you take a piece out of it, if I go right now and I take this piece of scripture, which I'm not going to do. I've done this before. But I'm like, Ooh, And I tear it out of my Bible and I crumpled it up and I throw it away. Do I have the full word of God? No. Just one page. Okay. If I take a black marker and I go right here uh, and it says the earth is given into the. Oh, look, why would he even make me read that one? The earth is given into the hand of the wicked. He covers the faces of its judges. It is not he who else, if it's not he, who else could it be? And I just took out the earth. Is it complete? But yet we have a tendency to remove scripture to fit our needs. It's kind of like this. I love this one. Back in the day, people in the church, really religious folk in the church used to love to take this one, especially men in the families used to use this one. Goes The Bible says that wives should submit to their husbands, but wouldn't read the rest of it wouldn't finish the scripture, wouldn't fulfill the word. They just wanted to fulfill what they wanted. They wanted subservient wives rather than helpmates. They didn't want a companion. They just wanted to be the ruler. And so they used God's word to contradict and to manipulate a moment where it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That means you got to die, Jack. And if you're not willing to die, that submission doesn't happen because it is a trade-off. But we don't want to do that. We want to take this piece, this piece, put it together and call it a sandwich. You cannot do that. You have to read it within context. You have to read it to the fulfillment of what it is. Listen, I'm going to help you with something. If you have a religious mindset, the word will break the religious mindset off of you. Religious mindset comes when you do not read the fullness of Scripture. Religious mindset comes when you look for pieces to appease your flesh. At some point, you have to decide how shallow. It's like this. You give a good word, and people are like, oh, man, that's a great word. Within a day or two, it's gone. I don't even remember what he said. I don't remember what. I didn't even write it down. I didn't commit it to my heart. I I don't even know what. I I went and read my word, and, and I didn't get anything out of it. Why do you think I always say, bring a notepad and pen to church? Do you really think, and I'm going to say this all across this room. Do you really think you're that smart? Because I promise you, you're not. Nobody is. Even the smartest people take notes. Why? Because they have a desire for whatever has been said to be committed to memory. So that they have a reserve to pull from when they need it. Do you think, come on, how many of y'all know this book from the front to the beginning? You can quote it to me. Anybody? Because, man, if you can, I'm stepping out the way. You're going to come preach the rest of the sermon today. You ever had somebody go, hey, I was reading the Bible in John chapter 3, verse 2, and you're like, yeah, I know exactly what that scripture is. I love when people do that to me. Pastor, I was reading Romans chapter 7, verse 16. I don't even know if that is, right? Romans chapter 7, verse You know what that is? No. Not off the top of my head. Can I look it up? <gasps> you don't know that scripture? How ungodly are you? I'm like you. I'm still reading the Bible, and I've read the Bible cover to cover three times. And I still don't know where it all is. But it's amazing because you can know the whole story of a novel that's 700 pages. Because here's the truth of it. You needed to receive that for your flesh more than you needed to receive the word of God for your eternity. See, here's what we do today. We're more concerned with fulfilling the flesh or the lust of the flesh than we are fulfilling the the promise of eternity. So when it comes to reading the word, we can read these novels, but we can't read our Bibles. How do you think God feels about that? Oh, Pastor, there's grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. He's got grace for me. He knows my heart. I know. And your heart's deceitfully wicked. I didn't say that. Your word did. He, but he knows my heart, Pastor. He knows. He knows. As long as I go to church, he knows my heart. He knows my heart. I'm, I'm great. As long as I'm going to church, God, I'm good. God's going, no, you're not. I need you in my word because you can't have a life with me without my word. So you got fallow ground, hard people who can't even see the word. You got shallow people who can shout and buck, but never get into it. I'll give you one more quick story. I was in uh, a a conference years ago. I was preaching and uh, a pastor went up out to the pulpit. He goes, watch this. And this is a service that a lot of people were screaming and shouting and going nuts. And he walks out there and, In his own way. I can't do it, so don't ask me to do it, but he says these words without all the screaming and shouting. He says, one potato, two potato, three potato, four. And the room looked like it lost its mind. "Ah, He's like, shut up and sit down. Because you didn't hear a word I just said. He said, all y'all running around this room screaming and shouting, acting like the Holy Ghost got you. And I said, one potato, two potato, Three, potato, four. It is amazing how you can incite people into religious thought process yeah. because they have no depth of the word on the inside of them. I'm standing on the side of the stage going, <laughs> did he just do that? And he didn't say it nice. He's like, shut up, shut down. There was like, Ugh. How many times have we heard a word and we're like, man, that's a word for me. And then you went home and didn't even touch it. Then he goes on in verse 22. He says, the seed that fell along the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. It's amazing when you read Scripture because we don't want to read these parts because we just want to find the thousand may fall on my side, ten thousand at my right hand, but no plague shall not come down my dwelling. I'm blessed in the city, and blessed in the field, blessed am my coming, blessed am my going. You can have all those things when you decide to let the word take root in you. The third person he was referring to was thorny people. You ever met thorny people? To these people, the world, the word, I'm sorry, the world is bigger than his word. Their struggle is stronger than his word. Their wants are greater than his word. So they pursue those things instead. The world is bigger than his word. The struggle is stronger than his word. I got, I'm sick. Doctor says I'm dying. I'm going to die. I know the word says I'm going to be healed, but I'm dying. And I don't want to declare I'm, I'm healed. I just, I'm dying. I just admit it. I'm dying. Well, hello. You're going to die. But when you start declaring what the word of God says, even if you breathe your last breath here on earth, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. So there is no death. See, it's not about you getting what you want while you're here. It's about changing the internal mindset so that you see it the way God sees it, not the way you want to see it. Listen, when you lose a loved one, yes, it sucks. It's not fun. It's horrible. You feel the loss internally. But to God, it's not loss, it's reception. God's going, Yes, they're home. We had Danny's mom passed away this week, and, and this is what I've been telling people throughout this whole thing. My pastor, my family member died. No, they didn't. They're alive. They're shouting. They're rejoicing because what was killing them is no longer killing them. They're alive in the things of God. But you go, but, but but I want them here. So you'd rather them be in pain here than be free there. Your wants... And your lack of understanding of the word has you have a desire so deep in the inside of you to keep them here that you cannot release them into the hand of the Father for him to do what he's purposed to do in the earth. He said for everything that is under the sun, there is a season, a season for everything, a time to live and a time to die. Welcome to this ride. But death is not painful. If it is to you, watch, here it comes. Then you have ignored the scripture that says that when Jesus died on the cross, death lost its sting. <laughs> if you understand the word and you believe what the word says, when death hits, you go, rejoice. Yeah. Celebrate. Yeah. Celebrate. I told my wife years ago, when I die, please do not have a service and put me in a casket and let everybody come look at me. That's stupid. For me, that's dumb. Not a saying for you, for me that's dumb. Don't that is not me. Let me go home. Do not do, do. not look at me in this condition. I am. I don't look like that in heaven, Jack. I'm running around going whoa! I'm celebrating. I'm seeing the things that I've been believing to see my entire life. I'm getting. To, and I'm getting to embrace His glory. I'm going into the throne room of God. I see the angels circling around the heavens. I'm gonna go walk with Peter on the water because I've been wanting to walk on the water my entire life. Yeah, I'm gonna find out things. I, Moses, come on, seriously, how'd you do it? of the Red Sea. I know God worked with you, but man, you, you know that took some guts. Like, I want to I have these talks, find a bench in heaven on a golden street. Come on, work with me for a second. But we don't get caught up in that. What we get caught up in is this. We get caught up in this. And none of that promise is here. This is the life we live until we inherit the fullness of the promise. I could do this with anybody in here. I was, I was talking with Scott, Scott Amart, and, and he's, he, his daughter died a couple years back, and, and, and God's been doing a work in him since they've been here about just, hey, she's better. She's better now. She's whole. She's healed. She's delivered. She's set free. She battled an illness for a long time, and she fought the good fight, but, but she succumbed to her. But here's the truth. Did she really succumb to it, or did God say, hey, I'm ready to bring her home? I'm ready to give her a greater life than the one she's living right now. I'm ready to receive her. God is not surprised by who comes to heaven. You ever said this? Why did the devil take her? Okay, watch. Let me, let me, God, let me get to this. It's not even in my word, in my script, my notes. Can I just say this? This is for love. This is all love. That is the stupidest statement we've ever said. Because here's what you're saying If the devil took them, then the devil had them. Think about it for a second. If the devil took them, then the devil had them. And if you say the devil took them because you're trying to appease your pain, then the devil now has you. That only changes when there's a word on the inside of you that you understand that nothing gets taken from you. Because God says, I want to give you the desires of your heart. And if your heart's found in him, those are your desires. Because I promise you, Danny didn't want his mama to hurt one more day. The pain of loss is real. I'm not taking that away. The pain of loss. But the Bible says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning time you got to have an expectation that morning is coming. He doesn't say don't weep. He doesn't say don't cry. He says just don't get lost there. Because you'll build a house there, and then you'll tell me to come visit you rather than you come and follow in me. He said thorny people. These are the ones that choke out the word. They, 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 everything is more important than the word. They, they can't abide by the word. They can't do what the word says. They make excuses for poor behavior because, because they just don't want to give up their own fleshly desires. Everything else has a greater importance than the word. They sift through the word, through their personal circumstances and situations, wants and desires. They say things like that was a great word, but God doesn't understand my situation. Thorny people have an excuse as to why they can't apply it or why the word has not produced fruit in their lives. How many of you are parents in the room? I've learned over time that what we hate the most as parents from our children is this one word called excuses. It drives us bonkers. Because here's the truth. Kids, just so you know, if you're a kid in the room, if you're a young adult in the room, and your parent comes and asks you a question, more than likely, we already know the truth. We're just trying to find out where you really are. And all the parents said, I've explained that to my children. Listen, I ask you nothing that I don't already know the answer to. Be careful. Just be careful. I've already done my due diligence. I've already done my research. I've already checked it out. I know what happened. Let's be honest. So my son will tell you. I'll look at him and go, son, think about it then his head drops. Okay, Dad. Do you think there's anything that God doesn't already know? But yet we try to cover it up. Come on, work with me for a second. Pastor, I don't have a gossip problem. Pastor, I don't have this problem. Pastor, God, God, I, I, God you, you know, I, I mean, that's my friend. They, you need to touch them. God, I'm trying to touch you, Jack. You think God doesn't see where you are? God sees. But here's the great part about God. God's not sitting in heaven going, I hate you. He's going, come here. Come a little closer. Get in my word. Get close to me. I'm going to help you get through this moment. But you got to seek my word so it changes those pieces of you, so it heals the root system in you, so that you can produce great fruit. But we become thorny. We, we, we read a scripture and we go, I don't like that, so I'm not, putting, I'm, not, I'm not abiding to that one. Oh, I'll give you a good one. Just mess with you really good. The Bible says drink and don't get drunk. I'm going to walk over here for a second because I feel all the pain right now. <laughs> it says be angry, but sin not. Right. Come on. It says don't let the sun go down on your wrath. I'm just giving you a few. Right. But what we do is, uh, oh, no, God doesn't care. Yeah. Why is it in here then? Right. If he didn't care, why is it written in Scripture? Yeah. If you can say that God doesn't care, then you don't care. So what we do is we become thorny, and so we, we would rather... Okay, so watch, thorns. Thorns are very hard material with piercings on the inside of it. What happens is you take the Word, and you become thorny. You actually crucify the Word all over again. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In other words, God is the Word. When you become thorny to the Word, you now re-crucify you now deny again. You now... And you're more okay with it bleeding out than you are bringing it life. Don't become thorny to the word. Because if you, you're going to choke it out. You're going to cause it to die. And you're going to go, where did it go? I was there. I had life for you, but you rejected it. I was the life that you needed. And you squeezed it and you rejected it till you killed it and you made it bleed out and you go, where did it go? You, you threw it away. You had your moment. You've become a Judas. Sold it. Thorny people have an excuse as to why they can't apply it or why the word has, no pro, has, no, has not produced fruit in their lives. They are barren to the things of God and the only fruit they produce is their own and then they call it the blessings of the Lord. The problem is, is those blessings rot. Yep. And no matter how hard they try, that fruit does not stay or satisfy. Amen. Okay, can, can, I, can, I just, can, I, can I just explain this real quick? Can, can I, okay. When my car got hit two weeks, three weeks ago, I was upset. Anybody want to join me when your car's ever gotten hit? Especially when it's a new car and you're like, for real. Okay, I was upset. First, I was visibly upset. Then I wanted to be emotionally upset. Then God brought correction to me in the middle of a gas station and said, shut your mouth, sit down and be quiet. So I went, okay, and I decided to be nice to the older lady that rammed into my car. And and so so I I leave and I'm praying and Tiff gives me words. You know, baby, God's probably just saving us from something we don't see. And I'm like, you're right, you're right, you're right. So I, I explained to you the blessings of all the things that are happening. I had all this. I had this list of things. When you get Okay, it's real quick. I don't mean to go into this real detail, but when you get a Jeep, you, you just want to make it cool. Yeah. Amen. Sean, do you agree with me? You just want to make it cool. You get it. You're a car guy. You get it. You just want it. You want jacked up. You want to drive. You just want to feel tough in your car. You might be the biggest wimp, but your car makes you feel bad, okay? My wife runs around telling me, it's my Jeep. No, it's not. It's mine. Stop it. In fact, I made her in the car, I'm like, say it, say it, say it, say it's my Jeep, say it's mine. It's my Jeep, okay, thank you, okay. Uh, so in the process of everything changing, I, I got my new bumper on the car, praise God, I got a new bumper, praise God. I got a cool bumper, you know, cool bumper, it's got room for a winch and everything. I have no idea what a winch will do, but I want a winch. Some of you guys, some of you ladies are like, that's stupid. The guy's like, I got a tree you can pull tomorrow, cool, all right, cool. I want the back bumper and then I want the car lifting, and I got 35 inch tires coming with 12 half inch wides. Like, I'm gonna drive down the road, and you hear this coming down the road. (laughs) Here it goes, Pastor. (laughs) And I got all these things. And so I I get the car back, and they ended up in the long run because of all the things that they have to fix, paid for my lift. Now, now I'm telling you this why, because what I need you to see is, is that I understand. The word says that through every struggle, through every trial, through every tribulation, God is always in the midst and always makes room for escape. Okay. So if I understand that word, that nothing comes into my life without a promise on the other side of it. There is no pain in my existence. There is only the promises of God. What happens is we get locked up in the pain pain, and we forget the promises. So I had to step away from the Jeep being damaged and say, God, I don't understand, but I'm going to leave it in your hands. I was supposed to pay a little bit of money for them to put the new bumper on. I go there. They go, look, we took care of it. That's another blessing. Then they're like, when we wrote off the rest and we sent it off to the company, that, and they're going to take care of the rest of it, and they're going to put your lift on. What? I went to my wife. I said, baby, I'm getting the lift. She goes, what? Huh? Are you serious? Yes. Now, that might not be you acted, but I was pumped. I was like, was like, Woo! God's good. You go, that's the stupidest thing ever. But some of you can't even rejoice over a close parking space. But sometimes when God gives you the far parking space, you can't rejoice either. I don't know why God's making me walk. Maybe you need to walk. Maybe you're in too much of a hurry. He needs your butt to slow down so he can talk to you. Or maybe you need to walk because what you ate for lunch was ungodly and he needs you to walk it off. Some of y'all don't want to hear that. Amen. Can I give you one more before we go? Can I give you one more? Last part of verse 23, it says this. says, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Listen to me for a second. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produced a harvest. Watch. Not of equal value to what was planted. He says, produces a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Why did I tell you the Jeep story? Because I could have just reserved myself to get a bumper back. But I know God's promises that he does exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ever ask or think according to the power, the dunamis that is already on the inside of me that just needs to wake up and start paying attention. And he says, Brian, I'm going to do greater, but you're going to have to let me move and get out the way and let my word take root. Amen. So, God, I don't get it, but I know what your word says. So I'm going to hold on to your word. God, I don't understand why I got to be in a, mob- in, a, in a gas station in Mobile and have somebody plowing. But I'm going to trust your word that you said you're in the midst of everything. God, I'm going gonna, gonna to have to trust you. And I know my flesh says no, but my spirit man says shut up and trust. He says some, some of y'all need a 30, 60, 100-fold blessing. But you have no seed. You have your Christianese. You have your memorized scriptures that you throw out because that's what church people do. Look, I can sit here for the next 15 minutes and quote you probably 50 scriptures like this. But just because you quote it doesn't mean you believe it. Well, I saw somebody else didn't work for them. The difference between you and them is they believe what was coming out of their mouth. You just said it in a moment. You got to know what the word says. These people, these fertile soil people are the ones who rejoice over the word, not because of what it does for them, not because it sounds good, not because of what it might produce in their lives. They celebrate because they so desire to be hearers and, and, and doers at the same time. They receive it and apply it. They don't pick and choose to suit their wants and desires. They are more focused on the seed than they are the production. They understand. They understand. This is and and I know when I said seed earlier and my staff kind of went oh oh I got a bucket full of seed now now I'm gonna, this is gonna be the word for just a moment Pastor Ben you can come on um, this is gonna be the word for just a moment this is gonna represent the word and and in this in this bucket of seed there's all kinds of seed there's weird seeds I've never seen before I've never seen a cross seed in my life I don't, that was handmade okay anyway um, uh, there's a green seed there's a there looks like sunflower seeds no I'm not sticking this in my mouth and eating it. Um, there's these little pebble, bird seeds, and so what we do is we we go into the we go in here and we go into the word and we go I want to find the biggest seed. I want that seed. Oh, that's going to be a good seed. You put that in the ground, it's going to produce a great harvest. Yet what we did was we ignored the little seed. We said that that will never produce anything in my life. See, so you can't even see it, Pastor. I don't want that seed. That seed is not going to do anything. But the Bible says if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. Where do you think mustard seed faith comes from? The Word. Mustard seed faith doesn't come just because you go to church or because you sing songs or because you listen to me or you listen to another preacher or, you or you you know, I I fill my time with all this stuff. No, it's where the seed comes from whether the word is prevalent in your existence. One of the things I've learned over the years for believers, sin is not hard to overcome. The word is hard to overcome. And the only reason we have a problem with sin is because we won't let the word overcome our sin. See, I've learned this: sin only shows up when there's a lack of word in our lives. Because the moment sin shows up, the word devours it. Because the word said that can't live here. Did you? Okay, wait. Did you? Did you? Did you read what I said? I got to find it now. Doggone it. Because it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. In other words, the darkness could not devour the light. Could not. Could not. It had no power. Sin only shows up when there's lack of word in us. But yet what we do is we we get the Word and we, we cipher through the Word. We go, God, if I could just find that one morsel, that that one seed that'll fix everything. And God says, it's not one that fixes, it's a handful. It's not one seed, Brian, that'll hear your marriage. It's a lot of seed. Brian, stop trying to get me to fix one moment in your life. Let me fix all the moments in your life. But God, can't you just do it? Yep, if you're just getting my word. Pastor, that's enough seed. That's not enough yet. What are you doing, Pastor? You're making a mess. No, I'm not. God, I don't know if you feel it, but I feel it. God, I'm tired. Get more seed. God, I'm praying for my kids. Get more seed. God, my body's worn out. Get more seed. God, I need my marriage hole. Get more seed. God I, just, God, I just need that one thing. Brian, it's not one thing I want to do. I want to do a lot of things. Stop limiting me to one moment. One moment here and one moment there. This is the problem in our lives. We have one moment here and one moment there and one moment here and one moment there. And, and God's going, no, I want to... Now, every seed that's planted might not produce, but here's the great part. Something's coming, baby. And here's what's great about the seeds being planted in your life. When rains come, when storms come, you get excited. Because seeds produce when the rains are permitted. So, when you have a struggle in your existence and you don't know how you're gonna get out of it, I need more seed. I don't need opinions. I don't need my stuff. I don't need more junk in my driveway. I don't need more crap in my yard. I don't. I need more seed. How do you get a better marriage? How do I love my wife like Christ loved the church? How does this church succeed? How do we become everything God's called us to be? How do you fulfill your purpose in the earth? Somebody said, Pastor, please don't empty the whole bucket. Where's the rest of that thing, Pastor Troy? Go get it for me. I'm going to show you something real quick. Can I I just finish this real quick? I know you want to get to lunch. You're like Pastor, talking about seed. I'm hungry now. Okay, stop. More seed. I wrote this as I was closing this message out. More seed. More harvest. But understand that the seed that comes from the word is not your harvest; it's His in you. More seed. Watch. I watch. More seed. Hurry up, give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. So let's sucker up. Good. Now watch, the bucket's empty. But the word of God is like a it's like a bag of French fries from McDonald's. Just when you think you're out and you think there's nothing left, you go to, you go to throw away the bag and you shake it. Because that's what he says. He says, run it till it dries up, and then I'll fill you again. But here's what he does. When you live a life, Pastor Troy, I love you. (laughs) Because it's about to get really rough in here. (laughs) Because now I'm excited. When I live a life of seed planted, here's what happens to the seed comes after that. You ready? Watch, watch. This seed no longer just affects me; it affects everyone who comes around me. And you just keep, you just keep going. Some pastor Ben said, "You going to throw it at him?" No, I'm not going to throw it at him. But I'm trying to prove a point. See, here's the truth of it: I'm not in this so I can gain this for me. I need pro- so that when I'm done when I finish this earth, when I leave. So when I'm done, my kids will stand here and go, okay, I gotta get more seed. Dad, Dad taught us a life of planting. We saw the harvest in his life. I want the same harvest in my life. And it is not for them to run up to the altar and go, let me pick up that seed. Let me pick up that seed so that I can throw it again. No, no, that's not your seed. You can't live off the words of your ancestors. You can't live off the promises of your grandparents and your great-grandparents. you got to live this thing for you. And know that the word is there to bring fruit into your life. So that when i'm done watch this because i believe this all my heart those statements of well done thou good and faithful servant mean this you didn't just have my word you used my word you didn't bury your talents you multiplied that sucker now enter the kingdom of heaven everybody stand on your feet Pastor, I thought you were going to preach on the kingdom. I did. I'll give you this tidbit before we get into part two next week. The kingdom of God is his way of doing things. You'll never understand his way until you receive his word. I'll share this last story before we close. Kirk's been in and out of the room this morning, but Kirk came to me years ago, and I know I've shared this story a lot, but Kirk came to me in a, in a time where there was some transition when he worked for the New Orleans Police Department, and a new guy was coming in to take over, and he was concerned that because you're at the political pickings of the position that he was in, and the guy could have removed him from office from his chief position. And I remember sitting with him, and I asked him, I said, Kirk, how much seed do you have in the ground? I remember, I can tell you where we were sitting. We were sitting in a golf cart at Jazz Fest because he used to run the security for Jazz Fest back then. And I would go over there on a Sunday after church and hang out with him because he'd miss like a whole month and a half of service. And so I went there to just hang out with him. We were just driving around. I never forget. We, we, Tony Bennett was singing the, by the, one of the stages, and we just kind of parked and we were just talking. I said, "How much seed do you have?" He said, "I got a lot of seed." I said, "Then put a demand on it." You forgot how much seeds in the ground. If there is seed, there must be a harvest. But be careful that you're not asking for a harvest without seed. God, where's my harvest? You have no seed. How do I get seed? The Word. It's all in here. It's all in here. This is seed. At my worst, this had the seed to bring forth the harvest. At my greatest, this had the seed to bring my harvest. This is not a book I run to when I'm in pain. This is a book I run to, period. Good, bad, ugly, wrong, indifferent, doesn't matter. This book has all my answers. Pastor, that's the dumbest thing ever. No, you believe in everybody else has your answers. Dumb. How can something that didn't create you give you an answer to your creation. You wonder why creation is damaged today. Because we let the world tell us how we're going to live rather than let God live through us. Thy word hath I hid in my heart, not in my mind, not on Sundays, not so I can be seen, so that tomorrow morning when I wake up, I'll grab my word and say, God, speak to me today i never forget during this prayer and fasting, and thank you guys so much for being a part of this for these last 21 days. I know you guys are looking forward to tomorrow. Amen. But i never forget I started reading in the book of Acts. I started reading spaces where I kind of had overlooked in the past where it shows that there were many times that the disciples were filled with the Spirit. It wasn't a one moment in the book of Acts. It progressively happened. And God started speaking to me. He said, Brian, an infilling of the Holy Spirit is not something that happens at a moment. It's something that as you pursue me, I continue to gravitate you into greater spaces. So you should always dwell the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I was like, wow, I'd never really seen it like that. That seed. Because the next morning I woke up and I didn't go, oh, God, be with me today. I said, God, whatever I need, Holy Spirit, come on, I'm ready to receive it I'm ready to receive whatever you what's that next step for me God I'm ready to receive it come on it changed me it caused me to look at things differently. It caused me to want different stuff it caused me to look at things in a better way pastor where do we go from here well I'll give you a vacuum cleaner after service I'm just kidding. where do we go from here you have to make a choice do you want to be able to wake up in the morning knowing there's seed in the ground? Or do you want to wake up in the morning wondering why you don't have seed in the ground? Because I can promise you there's a storm coming. Pastor, don't speak that there's a sto- What do you mean? There's always a storm coming, Jack. We live in southeast Louisiana. Rains happen. But when you see that storm coming, you won't start going, oh, man, you'll go, yes. Because when the storm comes, harvest has to produce. I thank God for the storms now. Send them, baby. What if we, what in the hurricane, what if a hurricane comes and it rips your roof off? Praise God. God's got something better for me. Well, this is all we have. No, it's not. This is not the finished product. His promises are yes and amen. Don't you dare sell out God and tell him he's done. We've got seed in the ground, but make sure that your yard doesn't look like this. God, I got one. Look, I want to throw so much seed that I forget the first one I laid. I want so much seed in the ground in me that I forget the first word I read, that all of it just starts to consume me. And then, and through time, God starts to remind me, hey, Brian, remember that one seed you planted that one day? You remember that night you laid in your room in your one-bedroom apartment, and you told me that you would be okay if you never had anybody, if you were single the rest of your life, but all you wanted to do was serve me? Remember that night you planted that seed, you said you trusted me more than you trusted anything else, and you were okay with whatever my plan was, and you said these words exactly, God, I'll, I'll go to Timbuktu if you tell me to? I was young. I didn't know what Timbuktu was, but I said it anyway. He said, remember that night you did that? He said, that night you planted that seed was the night I released your wife. The night you planted that seed and you told me you'd do whatever you wanted me to do. That was the night that I decided that I had a greater thing than what you could see. And you thought you would never be a great father. You thought you'd never have kids. You thought you'd never be married. And it was that night that you committed to me and my word that I just released the seed to grow how much seed you got And how much harvest are you missing I'm going to challenge you for the next seven days here it comes to make the next seven days a focus of planting seed in you every day I want you in the word every day Every day I want you in the Word. Every day I don't know where to start. Just open it; God will talk. I've said this a thousand and one times. I'll tell you again. Every time I go to my Word and I get ready to pray, I get ready to seek my Word, I do this: Father, I don't know where You want me to go, but I trust that You're going to lead and guide me. God, speak to me through Your Word. Don't speak to me through my emotions and my wants, God. Whatever You want to tell me, I'll listen. But use Your Word to talk to me, because I want Your Word to have a special place in me. Every time I pray that prayer, God speaks to me through His Word. Every time. I don't need you to be theological. I don't understand what it means. Sit on it. Sit on it. Sit on it. Let it be for a minute. Rest in it. Meditate on it. Watch what it does in your day. And then watch the fruit of it. For the next seven days, till we meet again. Till we stand in this place together next Sunday. I want you in your word. Because what I'm going to preach for the next three weeks will make no sense. If you don't have a desire for the Word of God, it won't. It'll be right over your head. But I need to prepare you to receive what's coming for the next three weeks so that we can inherit the kingdom of God in the earth. If you feel like it, take the hand of the neighbor standing next to you. If you don't, just say, hey, I'm good. That's okay. I know we're dealing with times right now, and I'm not trying to be inconsiderate, but I believe there's strength when we take hands. Father, I declare in this place, right now under this anointing, I declare a boldness and a strength to go after your word. And I declare in the name of Jesus, in the next seven days, we are going to see a harvest in this house. Father, you promised me those who would seek your face diligently this year would walk under the the protection and the provision of the Most High God. I am not consumed by what political agendas are happening around us or what's in the earth. I am consumed by the promises that you have for me and my family through your word. I am consumed by the word that was written before time and the one that still exists in time and the one that still governs time. Father, I pray this week that we would be righteously convicted to have time with you in your word so that good seed can be planted in good soil so that we as a people can produce a great harvest. Break up the fallow ground. Take away the shallowness. We repent of the thorniness, God. We desire to be fertile soil so that we can receive and produce what will bring glory to you and to your kingdom speak to us this week speak to us in a mighty way we receive say this with me i'm ready to receive say it again with boldness say i'm ready to receive speak as only you could speak Take us from this place today, God. Give us traveling mercies as we go home. Bring us back safe and sound, whether to Heart of Believer and Discipleship this Monday night, to youth group on Wednesday night, to worship practice on Thursday night, or right back here on Sunday morning, ready to seek your face like never before. Ready to worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, I'm believing that those getting, those that get in the Word this week will find a boldness that when they come back in next Sunday, their worship is going to be at a whole other level. you the praise the glory the honor the adoration and father let every seed come out of the carpet we thank you for today we thank you for this family we thank you for this church father i thank you for the opportunity to be the pastor of this house give you praise for it now in jesus mighty name we pray amen and amen thank you for your giving as you leave today god bless you have a great sunday